Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramer. I'll be one of my friends just trying to make you some money. My job is not just to entertain, but to educate, teach, put it in perspective. Call me, 1-800-743-CBC. Tweet me, at Jim Kramer. You never want to see a high-profile tech name get nearly cut in half because it can take a lot of other stocks with it through bowling-like inaction. Even as its problems might be company-specific, unfortunately, that's exactly what happened today with the Dow declining 60 points, has it been losing 0.84%. NASDAQ knows that it 1.92% in large part because of a company called DocuSign. DocuSign reporting such a horrendous quarter. Why did one quarter matter so much? Do we really believe that DocuSign, the software company that makes it possible to digitally seal the deal on contracts, one that you and I use all the time perhaps, would be able to maintain the same level of success we saw at the height of the pandemic? Well, that turned out to be a pipe dream. Oh, yes, the quarter was poorly executed by management's own admission. And worse, there was a serious slowdown in business that management didn't see coming. But DocuSign was really important because so many investors were hiding in this one, just in case the Omicron variant or the winter weather sends us back into social distancing mode. Unfortunately, the company did a lot less business than anyone expected, even 90 days ago. Does that mean people are going back to signing contracts in person so DocuSign isn't being used as much? That's bad for DocuSign alone. Or does it mean that there simply isn't as much business being done in the part of the economy where DocuSign is popular, like financial services, real estate, healthcare. That's bad for each of those industries, not to mention all the tech companies that make their money by helping those industries to digitize. Throw in worries about Omicron variant and a weak employment report this morning that was kind of stunning. And you can understand why the Nasdaq could get obliterated. Oh, and by the way, it didn't help that Kathy Wood, darling stock DocuSign, Yes, it's always been associated with her, took a major hit, sparking fears from traders that her whole portfolio is under assault. It probably is, but because she doesn't run a hedge fund, they can't really shoot against her. But her flagship ARK Innovation ETF, ARKK, was down more than 5% today. That raises eyebrows. I get why people are scared, but let me tell you how I see this. Going into today, DocuSign was trading at roughly 130 times earnings, at least not sales for heaven's sake. Its collapse creates a puzzling environment where all sorts of skittish investors become desperate to figure out what tech stocks are really worth. What should they be selling for? And then there's the ETF factor. 
Because tech's riddled with these, these ETFs, a huge decline in a single stock like DocuSign can reverberate, drag down the whole group. In other words, today tech was guilt until proven innocent, right? Guilty, and nobody was proven innocent. While the Dow and the S&P managed to rebound near the close, the Nasdaq stayed down in the dumps. And if you have some of those in your portfolio, you're going to see that you lost money today. Remember, it's not a loss unless you take it, but it does feel bad. So then we have to ask yourself, okay, well, this can't last forever. What could, tech, what could turn tech around? Well, that's up to next week. I think it's going to have to take individual numbers that are much better than DocuSign. So let's go to the game plan. On Monday, we have two DocuSign analogs. That's, uh, we've got MongoDB. And by the way, you may think the name's crazy, but it's, it's a $30 billion company, $30 billion database software platform. And Coupa Software, we've had them on a bunch of time, a star in the field of cloud-based procurement software. Now, both of these companies have been big winners not that long ago, but they've been getting whacked for ages. And they got crushed again today. Coupa hitting its low for the year, down nearly 4% for the session. Even as the business really is very strong. Maybe something is wrong. Maybe we'll find out. MongoDB had hit even harder. It's down 6.5%. Now, this kind of action this late in the year is money managers dumping risky stocks and running for safety to the likes of, believe it or not, yes, American Electric Power. That's my favorite utility. MongoDB and Coop also find themselves in the unenviable position of having to report right after what will no doubt be one of the very biggest weekends of when we're going to hear about the Omicron variant. I'd be shocked if that coverage is anything but entirely negative. Going to be tough. But then again, these stocks have been hammered already. So we have to see how they'll behave. Maybe the bad news is in them. Maybe there is no bad news. Tuesday night, we hear from Sentinel One. Here's a company from the hard-hit cybersecurity space. I was shocked to see that this stock had already come down from 76 to 46 for no obvious reason, aside from the broader stock market rotation. Sentinel One might be a good test case to see if tech's finally gotten oversold and can bounce or even go up. That said, you know what? I'm going to be more focused on Toll Brothers, the high-end home builder that keeps putting up amazing numbers. Mortgage rates are very low. Going lower still, I've got to tell you, you can maybe get a two and a half for a conforming one. Profit margins have been good despite supply shortages. And thanks to the hybrid work environment, the stock's been a horse. Will Toll Brothers be hurt by today's weaker than expected jobs report? I doubt it. Bad employment data, what does that mean? It's going to cause the Federal Reserve to go easy on us as they wean themselves off aggressive bond purchases and toward rate hikes. As tech gets purged, funny managers, fund managers have this, funny managers, I like that. Funny managers have decided to see if Stitch Fix should get a stay of execution. Because, I, you know, a lot of ways it's more of an apparel play than a tech play. I've always liked this one, but its stock has been obliterated. Get this, it's fallen from 113 in its short squeeze induced peak down to 23 today. Again, we're looking for anything that might indicate when the digitization stocks are ready to bottom. Stitch Fix might give us a signal. Oh, how about this one? Wednesday's tech de- test case is a company called UiPath. And UiPath, this uses software to automate repetitive tasks currently done by humans, the stuff that you hate to do over and over again. Again, this stock's been cut in half, no fault of its own. Hink Laurel's coming to an end? All right, then I got something for you, Andy Warhol. Campbell Soup. This should be more of a judgment on the slowdown stocks than a judgment on management. Although unsteady soup sales and out-of-control raw costs could play a role. They did before. I hope they don't this time. Also, on Wednesday, we hear from one of our faves, RH. That's the retailer formerly known as Restoration Hardware. Now, this is another stock that's been knocked around. I think CEO Gary Friedman has a long-term view. The stock's sell, uh, sell-off in almost every single case has been a reason to buy, not sell. 
Oh, okay. Then we got that second part of the market. Uh, we got GameStop reporting. That's the king of the meme stocks. Now that AMC is getting slugged by Omicron worries and insider selling, we still haven't heard a real turnaround plan from this new GameStop management. But the company might be getting bailed out by console shortages. I can't justify owning it up here, and I think the Wall Street Bets cohort has run out of firepower of late, except for to attack me in my mentions column. And I got bad news for them. I'm taking the week off other than post dog pictures. See my. Uh, uh, Wall Street Pesca, you got to check out these pictures instead of my dogs. They're hilarious. But anyway, there's tremendous prurient interest here in the down, rise and fall, perhaps putative fall, of GameStop. Thursday, we have some Kramer faves that I think will be able to handle the pressure. In particular, we get results from a pair of charitable trust names, Broadcom and Costco. Now, I discussed uh, with, I, with Jeff Marks, portfolio manager, about whether to sell Broadcom today because it's got... It's up a lot. we got a big profit, but it's a technology company, often thought of as a chip maker, that's been remarkably consistent in an inconsistent world and also pays a good dividend. Very rare for a tech company. As for Costco, it's occasionally seen its stock uh, get hit after big runs. I think you got a treat that is a buying opportunity. I'll give you much more on that later, so stick around. You want tried and true? How about Hormel? I mean, Hormel, but now we're talking about, yes, spam with a 2.4% yield. This is the limited edition pumpkin spice, which I've got to tell you is a little out of season right now, but as good as ever, and will be as good as ever 24 years ago, just like it was 24 years from now, just like it was 24 years ago. It's a time traveler. And it's the stock that's down big from its highs. Even as managers made some terrific moves with the portfolio. Or, you know what? Uh, Actually, not that much like uh, spam. Lululemon. They report, and I think that's going to give you a fantastic set of numbers. Now, I also want to hear from Chewy, too. It's the online pet food retailer that's seen its stock get cut in half. I, I had posted some Chewy toys recently. You, uh, you get the pattern here? It's called a bear market, people. Anything digitized is getting pulverized, all right? Digitized, pulverized. Friday, we hear from a consistent healthcare name that I think could be a very good fit for this market, and that's Centene. Yes, Michael Nydorf. The company's holding its analyst meeting where you're going to hear a lot about bountiful cash flow and buybacks as opposed to some of the things you're going to be hearing from some of these earlier ones. I like it very much. In the end, the strength in big cap stocks has masked the weakness in smaller players for some time. This was the week where worlds collided. I love that book. Will the beating continue next week or has everything come down enough for that Santa Claus rally that I talked to you about earlier this week to start early? Maybe earlier than expected. The bottom line, I think we may be in for more punishment because the valuations got so out of control. But given the crushing blows we've seen so far, there's reason to believe that we're getting closer and closer to the light at the end of the tunnel. And no, ha, 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 it's not an oncoming train. Let's go to Paul in Tennessee. Paul. Hello, Mr. Kramer. Thanks Paul, for how are you? my question. What's I'm up? Well, thank you. I was wondering what your thoughts are on a retail stock. It's up over 400% this year, but it dropped almost 20% on Tuesday and another 8% today. Its P.E. is below 10. What's your opinion of Dillard's, ticker symbol DDS? You know, Dillard's has had a very big move. Uh, There are a lot of other stocks that I prefer more than Dillard's. I would even tell you I prefer Macy's and Kohl's definitely more than Dillard's. Uh, And I'm not just calling it Dillard's. My mom always called it Dollars, by the way. Mom was kind of funny. Let's go to Lisa in Missouri, please. Lisa. Kramer, Investment Club members, thank you very much. Yes, yes, thank you for signing up. Good talk coming up. How can I help? On November the 11th, you had the CEO of Lockheed Martin on Mad Money discussing the partnership with NVIDIA using Lockheed's AI technology to fight fires. And today they discussed defense technology on CNBC. Is it time to buy? The stock is down 16% from its high and yielding 336 
Um, I like Lockheed. I thought the interview uh, with uh, Brendan Morgan, that was a really good piece. I don't know if you guys heard Morgan Brennan talk about uh, Jim Takelet today. I, she, she did a terrific job, and Takelet told her a great story. But remember, it's not really about the NVIDIA part. It's about much of the things that they do with the Defense Department. And Morgan pointed that out. Uh, but I like, I like Lockheed very much. I thought the Northrop interview was too good, too. I don't know if you guys caught that. All right, I think we're going to be in some pain next week. But given the crushing blows we've seen, I have reason to believe that the Santa Claus rally could kick in sooner rather than later. You don't get days like this too often. Oh, man, money tonight. Boot Barn continues to walk all over the competition. It's up over 150% this year. And I'm getting the latest in the Western Wear retailer with the company's top brass. Then this week's volatility was an important reminder to make sure your holdings are diversified enough. And you don't just own every single tech stock in the book which is why I'm playing MY Diversified. See if your portfolio can pass the test. And speaking of tests, you've stumped me a couple couple of times on a couple of stocks. So I'm turning in my homework on two stocks, one of which I actually think you might want to pull the trigger on. Stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag MadTweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at cnbc.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is Constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a seventy-five dollar sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash madmoney. Just go to indeed.com slash madmoney right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash madmoney. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. After a brutal wave of indiscriminate selling, you've got to circle the wagons around high-quality stocks that are chronically underestimated by Wall Street. Stocks like Kramer Fave Boot Barn, the specialty retailer focused on Western and work-related footwear and apparel. We're going to get to the difference in a second. Boot Barn never gets enough credit because too many money managers rarely leave Manhattan. And that's why they've missed the incredible run in the stock from $8 at its low in March of last year to just under $120 today. It's not a DocuSign stock, I'll tell you that much. More importantly, we know Boot Barn's in great shape because they just reported a magnificent quarter late, late October. 62% same-store sales growth for heaven's sake. In response, the stock roared from 100 to 135 over the next few weeks. Since then, it's been dragged down by the rest of the market, giving back nearly half of those gains. So can this be your chance right now to get into one of the best-kept secrets in retail, knowing that it won't always be secret? Let's check in with Jim Conroy, one of our favorites. He's the president and CEO of Groupon. Get a better sense of where his company's headed. Mr. Conroy, it's so great to have you back on Mad Money. 
Oh, thank you very much for having me again, Jim. Great to hear your voice. Okay, oh, same. So I got to tell you something. In your last conference call, that really good one that you did with Stevens Invest, uh, Investment, you described the two different kinds of buyers. There's the rodeo buyer and the NASCAR buyer. I think you can help our viewers by telling us the difference. Sure. Our, our legacy customer was truly a Western cowboy, often working on a ranch, working with horses, etc. They would attend rodeos um, and live in a very much outdoor environment. What we've done more recently is really tried to expand the addressable market that we're going after. And by doing so, we've gone to a more of what we call a casual Western or a country customer and that customer perhaps doesn't wear a cowboy hat, but maybe they do wear jeans and cowboy boots, and they'll go to a country music concert, uh, but maybe they have a ball cap on. So that sort of strategic step forward that we took was, was truly an effort to expand the addressable market that Boot Barn could, uh, could go after. Okay, now we know that, Jim, so therefore I, I have to reach the logical conclusion that, frankly, you have more room to grow larger store count, not just, you know, trying to do the same thing over and over, but store count with a rodeo base, then going to a NASCAR base, you can put them everywhere. I'm not kidding, right? I mean, you got that one in Virginia that people think isn't Western and works perfectly. That's right. You're exactly right. So we, when we first went public, we thought we had the opportunity to grow to 500 stores across the country. Uh, as we've seen the performance of our new stores in brand new markets, like the ones in Virginia or Ohio or Pennsylvania, not only are we further emboldened by the performance of brand new stores in brand new markets and think we can continue to grow our store count there, but at the same time, we've been adding stores in mature markets and not really seeing much cannibalization. So when you put those two factors together, we think we'll blow right past that 500 store sort of maximum we had called out when we went public. And we'll put a, a more precise number around that. But it'll be a couple hundred stores north of that. Uh, but we, we just want to add some analytics to it. Now, at the same time, uh, you, I don't know who's doing your e-commerce work, but it's pretty strong. Yes, it is. Uh, we're, we're really excited about the e-commerce channel, uh, really nice growth in sales. Even more uh, impactful than that is the growth and profitability of that channel. And I'll say that the last piece is one of the things we're most proud of in the most recent couple of quarters is our ability to really integrate the e-commerce business and our stores business. So we have roughly one-fourth of our e-commerce product sales are shipped to stores for pickup. We now have the ability to fulfill our e-commerce uh, demand from our stores. We're taking e-commerce returns in the stores. So what we're really trying to do is build that sort of uh, intersection of customers that shops both channels. Well, that's others are trying to do that. They haven't been as successful as you are. Uh, one other thought that I've been uh, that I think people miss about you you actually were an essential retailer during the height of the pandemic. Maybe, again, I'm trying to get people familiar with you who don't, don't know you. You stayed open the whole time, and it really had a major effect on your business. That's right. So when COVID first began, began to emerge in the spring of 2020, by virtue of the fact that we carried work boots and work apparel, we were deemed essential. And what that enabled us to do is continue to service our customers, 
albeit sales were depressed in the stores for a short period of time, we were able to retain our store managers and most of our field team. And as you know, most of our competition within the industry is a series of a few hundred mom and pop Western retailers. And because most of them didn't carry enough work product to be deemed essential, they had to close down. Um, and it was, to be honest, a, a bit unfortunate for them, of course, because they wound up forfeiting a fair amount of market share. And we believe many of their customers to Boot Barn because we were open throughout that period of time. So it was a um, it was an opportunistic uh, moment for us to sort of continue to be there for our customers, continue to take care of customers that had gone to other stores previously that had now been closed. And as you look at the growth that we've had over the last 37 weeks or so, roughly 80% of that growth has been due to the introduction of new customers to Boot Barn. Well, you know, at another time, uh, we might have just said, uh, I would say, uh, focus on the price of oil. Because people remember people were trying to pay you the price of oil. Do we still even have to think about the price of oil in Boot Barn? I don't think so. The, the price of oil had gone up over the last uh, several months. The rig count had uh, also been increasing. Yet, of all the things that are working well in the business right now, the oil patch is still a drag. So if, if you think about our, our 67% growth versus a two-year-ago period, a pre-pandemic period, that is with the drag of the oil markets um, hurting our, our sales growth uh, hurting categories like flame-resistant work apparel. So hopefully we have finally unhinged the boot barn story from the oil story. Uh, for Thanksgiving, I wore the hat. I wore your hat, <laughs> and good. everybody loved it. We were in a barn. It was perfect. Uh, hats are bigger than we think, right? Yes, hats is about 10% of our business. If you combine cowboy hats and baseball hats, it's obviously a very iconic part of our category um, they are. They bring this the uh, a fair amount of um, you know, life and, and and energy to the stores. Uh, we clean them and shape them in a in a hat uh, steaming station in the front of the store. So it's it's a very important part of the branding. Well, look, you've done a magnificent job. I wanted to have someone on this week who immune to some of the crazy selling we're seeing. But if you weren't, I would just tell people this is the this is the next chance because, boy, you've got multiple years ahead of you, Jim. And you deserve it because you're really a, the pioneer in the category. I want to thank Jim Conroy, president and CEO of Bootborn, and always is light on the show. Have a great weekend, sir. All right. Thank you very much. You as well. Oh, thank you. Right, This is one we've been hiding for a long time. I have to tell you, Matt Boss from J.P. Morgan introduced the concept to me. But these are the kinds of stocks you want to look at on a day like today when it's like DocuSign is bringing stocks down. Do you think that has anything to do with DocuSign? Right. Everybody's back into the break. Coming up, master the unknowns. Be ready for any market. Another edition of Am I Diversified is coming up next. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Edinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.
It's been a wild and some would say hideous week where we saw some major whipsaw action in the major averages. A day where the Dow hit an intraday high of over 500 points could be the same day it plunges to close day, down over 400. That's what we saw Wednesday. So how do you hedge your portfolio in these craziness, crazy times? Well, I say you got to stay diversified. I tweeted that earlier this afternoon. And that's why we're planning my diversified. This is where you call me, you tell me your top five holdings, I tell you if maybe your portfolio is diversified enough, maybe you got to mix it up a little. And we want to first up go to, uh, oh, a tweet from Edward on Twitter who says, at Mad Money on CNBC and at Jim Cramer, heading into retirement red zone, along with the S&P 500 mutual fund, I have Apple, Amazon, Google, J.P. Morgan, Tesla, Jimmy Chill, Am I diversified? Well, you have certainly come to the right place. I love the NFL red zone. That's where we are here. Uh, I had some Jimmy Chill pickles last night. They're fantastic. All right, so Amazon, we're going to call it, we're no longer calling it a retailer, okay? We're just going to call it a vast digitization machine, which can fit in a lot of different categories. Uh, Google is very similar. These are similar, but they're different. I mean, different, they're conglomerates, but they work. Tesla, Auto, JP Morgan, Terrific Bank, Apple. Okay, so now we do have to pick. Uh, I'm going to bless this only because my charitable trust has these three. I struggle over this because you see how they traded together. And one of the things we're trying to do is eliminate the stocks that trade all together in one ETF. I'm going to let this, I'm going to bless this right now. I would not do it unless I had done it myself. That's true. And I said that Apple, you have to own it. You can't trade it. But of those three, the one that I am most concerned about right now is this one because everybody's gunning for it. All right. Let's go to um, a video call from Lisa in Maine. Lisa. Booyah, Jim. Greetings from Ogunquit, Maine. I'm Lisa. Here are my five top holdings. Am I diversified? Best Buy, Advanced Micro Devices, your favorite and mine, Jim, NVIDIA, Sonos, and Hasbro. Thanks for your help, Jim. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Well, I mean, we have the smartest viewers. I'm gone. We're going out gone. I mean, look at this. All right. Now, uh, okay, so uh, Hasbro Toys, Mr. Gold, I miss Mr. Golden very much. Sonos Entertainment at the home, so we'll call that a home play. NVIDIA, well, I mean, NVIDIA, you know, my dog NVIDIA, okay? That's a, uh, a chip, chip company, chip gaming, metaverse, high-performance computer. AMD, uh-oh, chip gaming, high-performance computer. We're going to have to make a choice there. Uh, Best Buy, too many of these guys' chips go into that. So we're going to say no to Best Buy. Instead, what we're going to do is we're going to put in, let's put in, let's, let's go for something that is, let's go for Target. I pulled up with them the other night. Target is doing very well. Uh, and instead of AMD and NVIDIA, what we'll do is we'll put in, uh, let's do Raytheon. Okay, Raytheon Technologies. Why am I doing these? Because I liked what I heard today out of Boeing. But um, that you know, we've got some good China news coming. But I'd rather play it with a more diversified way. And you make those changes, and then you are diversified. Even though I love all those stocks, I feel like I, I'm compelled to make those changes after daylight today. Next up is Peter in Oklahoma. Peter. Hi, Jim. My name is Peter Childs, calling you from Tulsa, Oklahoma. Excellent. The companies that I own are Apple, SVB Financial, Pioneer Natural Resources, Snowflake, and Molina Healthcare. Hey, Jim, am I diversified? Wow. This is what I'm talking about. I'm looking 
I'm looking for this kind of portfolio. Snowflake, Slubin shot the lights out. One of the great conference calls, too, by the way. Really terrific. Okay, this is uh, basically data. I don't want to call it data warehouse, but because he's got it's a lake warehouse. He's got a lot of sophisticated terms that he uses. Frank is great, but it's a great way to store your data. Uh, Apple, we know, obviously, is terrific. Pioneer is one of the three that I'm recommending. Chevron, I like. Pioneer, I like. Uh, I like Devin here. Okay. Uh, Silicon Valley Bank. All right. You know, we got a bank out a growth area. And Molina is a terrific company, but I would replace that with Centene. Okay. So healthcare, financial, oil, data, and uh, the great consumer technology company of our time. And I like those very, very much. We got one more. Do we have Todd in Iowa, please? Todd? Hi, Jim. This is Todd from Iowa. Uh, thank you for taking my call uh, and would like to thank you for being educational and entertaining both. Thank you. My stocks are 3M, GM, PM, IBM, and Cleveland Cliffs, CLF. Thank you for your help. You. Am I diversified? All right. Let me get to a lot of M's there. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. Let's go to work. GM, Mary Barr's doing a remarkable job. The stock is too cheap. I'm a buyer. Okay. Bingo. Buyer. GM. Buyer. Uh, IBM, very tough here. Up a couple bucks today. I want to see this quarter. I'm not a buyer until this quarter. So we're going to put a placeholder there. Okay. We don't want that stock right here. Cliffs, they hate Cliffs right now. I like Cliffs because they hate Cliffs. I think it's going to do well. Philip Morris, we don't comment on tobacco because there's no need because uh, we don't want to see it. And then 3M is down so low, I want to buy it. So we got a technology, we got a conglomerate, we have an inexpensive stock in GM. We've got IBM waiting for the quarter. Cliff's down and out because people think we're going into recession, which is completely not true. And Philip Morris, you're on your own. Not going to comment on it. Wow. Hey, one more. Uh, last but certainly not least, let's go to Franco in New York. Franco. Hello, Mr. Kramer. This is Franco from New York, New York. Um, my five stocks are Marvell, IBM, Chevron, Nike, and Microsoft. Am I diversified? These are so tough. Let me tell you why they're tough. Microsoft, it's going to have a great quarter. It's accelerating revenue growth. All right. It's just terrific. But it is tech, and so is Marvell. Now, Marvell had amazing numbers guided up and uh, really made it indicate that next year is going to be even bigger. We're going to call this uh, semiconductor, and we'll call this just enterprise software. Okay. So that's how we're going to be able to try to say that they don't necessarily trade together. Now this was up huge and this was down huge, but this did report last night. IBM again, I'm going to defer to the quarter. We got to see that quarter. We got to see that quarter. Chevron, that's Mike Worth. You know, I think he's spending $10 billion to, to have really good environmental products that will make money. At the same time, he boosted the buyback yesterday. He's doing a terrific job. And Nike, I believe that the Chinese are making nice with Nike. Remember, Nike has a deal with the Chinese, with the Ministry of Sports. So we've got um, Athleisure, Athletic. We've got Chips. We've got Enterprise Software. We have the oil company that I like you to like with, by the way, more than 4% dividend. And then we're going to have to placehold IBM. We're not ready yet to pull the trigger. Wow. Okay, there's much more mad money ahead. You stumped me on a couple of stocks uh, that have held up okay. One that's been badly damaged over the last couple of weeks. So I'm going to turn to my homework. I'm so excited about what these people are producing, by the way. 
in at My Diversified. Thank you also for our staff that does it, because this is what real life is about. It's trying to make it so in days like today, where tech crushes you, that you have something else. Charlie Munger called the current market crazier than the dot-com boom. But he highlighted one key holding of the charitable trust that's worth noting, and it's up a lot. It could get hit next week when they report. I don't care. I think that it's about long-term investing. And, of course, your calls, rapid fire, transition, later around. Stay with Kramer. Whenever I get a question about a stock that I just don't recognize, I always promise to research it and then circle back so I can give you a more informed opinion. So as we get closer to the end of the year, I got to catch up on our homework. Now, tonight we've got two relatively unknown names in sectors that are right at the center of the sell-off over the past couple of weeks. One of them's held up okay. The other, badly damaged. Let's take them in chronological order. Back on October 20th, Kevin in Illinois asked me about VTEX, V-T-E-X, which is a cloud-based e-commerce software company that's focused on Latin America. They help brands and retailers set up their own digital marketplaces. Originally, VTEX got its start doing e-commerce for Walmart in Brazil, but then they branched out. Uh, They branched out to the rest of Latin America, with the company also expanding into Europe and North America more recently. Still, last year, VTEX got 94% of its sales from Latin America, and more than half from Brazil alone. It's an emerging market e-commerce play. Management likes to point out that Latin America had the fastest growing market for e-commerce last year. It grew to a 37% clip, leaving the rest of the world in the dust. Now, if you're feeling generous, you could describe VTEX as Shopify for the Southern Hemisphere, except they're more focused on large businesses, not just small ones. Within Latin America, VTEX is already the largest provider of digital commerce technology. Now, they've got more than 2,000 customers across 32 countries, including such huge names like Adidas, Whirlpool, Samsung, Sony, Nestle, among others. Their technology is embedded in these large enterprises, which is a good place to be. And in many cases, they're also taking a small cut of the transactions that they facilitate. What about the numbers? Like so many other e-commerce plays, business was booming for VTEX in 2020. Well, of course, the pandemic forced everyone to shop online. But their growth has slowed dramatically in 2021. No, it's not DocuSign. Keep listening. VTEX had just 12% revenue growth in the most recent quarter. That's down from 140% in the same period last year. As for profitability, they're close to breaking even in 2020. But now that's going in the wrong direction, too. It's not that their business had gotten worse. It's just that they're up against some insanely difficult comparisons. Last year was unique. Unfortunately, VTEX didn't come public last year. It came public this July. At first, the deal was pretty well received. The IPO price at 19 a couple of bucks above the high end of the range. Then oh, it opened at 25 on the first day of trading before reaching the low 30s by early August. Since then, though, what's happened, like so many others, yet VTEX has steadily been working its way lower, sinking all the way to 13 and change as of today. That is a hideous decline. There's no clear catalyst to explain the stock's performance, although part of this is because it's a victim of the rotation away from fast-growing tech stocks with no earnings to more value plays. But it's not like Wall Street hated this thing. When the quiet period for analysts ended in mid-August, uh, most of the analysts were pretty positive. At worst, they were neutral. However, the stock had plunged from 29 to 21, and these initiations were rolled out, which suggests that investors were expecting the analysts to be a lot more effusive. I think this is another case where an overhyped IPO got really out of hand, and the public investors ended up being punished, just like we talked about last night with all birds. While VTEX reported some not-so-hot results a couple of weeks ago, showing a big slowdown in growth coupled with soaring costs, management's guidance was pretty much in line with what the analysts were looking for. 
Plus, the stock had already been battered by then. It's been hit much harder since Fed Chair Jay Powell seemed to take a more hawkish turn, and the whole growth edifice got crushed. But you don't need me to tell you that. Every one of these growth stocks looks the same. So where do we come out on this VTEX? Can it really be Shopify for Latin America the same way the incredibly successful Mercado Libre is the Amazon of Latin America, a stock, by the way, that we've liked since uh, the start, this whole uh, mad money started? It's certainly possible. I like the fundamental story here, and the stock's already come down a great deal. One problem. I've got no idea what could cause this thing to bottom. Here at 13 and change, I, I'm on the fence. Hey, how about this? If it goes below 11, where we'll be trading less than 10 times 2023 estimates, I feel pretty bullish. That's a good level. Now, if you like VTEX, you got my blessing to speculate on this one, as long as you do it smart. That means putting on a very small position now and then gradually buying more on the way down in what I call the pyramid fashion. Next up on October 26th, Greg in Georgia called about a thing called Prague Holdings, P-R-O-G Holdings, which is another one that I'd never heard of. You guys really stumped me. This is a financial technology company. It's a little reminiscent of a firm holdings, the buy now, pay later kingpin, except Prague Holdings gets the vast bulk of its business from its progressive leasing business, okay? They offer lease-to-own transactions to people with not-so-good credit via their point-of-sale partners, namely retailers. Now, Prague was created when Aaron's, the lease-to-own retailer, broke itself up last year, splitting off the retail side from its financing division. I think it's got a lot going for it. Although you need to remember that the fintech stocks now are among the most hated stocks in the business. That's all those different payment companies. Regular viewers know I like these companies that are using artificial intelligence to upend the credit industry. Their technology can identify good borrowers, even when they have bad credit scores. Remember that anomaly? However, I think you can do better than Prague. When the company reported its most recent results, the sales came in weaker than expected, and worse, management cut their full-year forecast. What's wrong? Well, Prague's lease-to-own business is deliberately set out to chase after consumers with, with terrible credit, people who can't usually get financing. Lending money to people with bad credit is an inherently risky proposition. You get hurt when the consumer's weak, but just as important, important you also get hurt when the consumer's strong. Right now, the consumer's very strong. When people are flushed with cash, there's really less need for Prague's financing services. Maybe that's why the stock has struggled to gain traction since the Aaron's breakup a year ago. The best thing I can say about Prague Holdings is that it's got a cheap stock. It's trading less than 11 times next year's earnings estimates. But sometimes stocks are cheap for a reason. And I think that this, this is one of those times. Mad Money's back after the break. Coming up, a storm is coming. So give us a call. Kramer's got the answers to all your burning questions. The lightning round is next. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Ski dive on the way. We'll come to start with Eric in Arizona. Eric. Hey, thanks for having me, Jim. I'm a new kid in the market, new listener. Um, Sari Therapeutics. Um, I love what they're trying to do. I, I was a nurse's aide before I was a teacher, so I've seen how C. diff can just totally wreck a nursing home and hospital. You're right. Um, they have you're some right. decent gains. You're a younger um, person, and you're you, and you're new, and I think you can buy it. It's too it, for an older person. It's too speculative because the company's not making any money. I like your call, though. I like it. Let's go to Julian in Massachusetts. Julian. Hey, Jim. Thank you so much for having me on, man. Um, I w- I'm really interested in Viacom CBS. I think it's a good long-term buy and hold. It's okay. Time. I think that whole business is under assault. You can mention any one of these. I think it's just okay. All right? I mean, it's well run, but it's just okay. Let's go to Girish in Texas. Girish. Hi. Who are you? 
Jim. Oh yeah. Uh, my question is on Novavax. It is a phenomenal vaccine, not getting approved in US. Uh, looks like a bright future, but the stock is not moving. Yeah, Should well, we I mean, because like people, it's it's not. I mean, they came on like gangbusters. We all thought they were going to be equal. I like Pfizer. Okay, Pfizer's got the pill coming up too. That's the inexpensive way. I feel safe with Pfizer. Mark in New York. Mark. Hey, Jim, thanks for taking my call. You're quite welcome. I to get your thoughts on Office Depot. No, I can buy everything I want on Amazon. I do not need that company. That is an Amazon roadkill. Let's go to Jacob in Ohio. Jacob. Jimmy Chill, I got a big booyah here from Northwest Ohio. How are you doing today, Jake? I am doing well. Thank you, partner. How about you? Really good, really good. Hey, so with recent fire sales of stocks and uh, some states looking to legalize uh, cannabis use, uh, I don't want to buy the railroad of cannabis. I want to buy the company that supplies the uh, shovels. Uh, my stock is Grow Generation. Do I All buy right, it? Grow, we got on the teens, and then when it got to the 40s and 50s, we said, we have had enough. We've made too much money. Let's not be greedy. Bulls make money. Bears make money. Hogs get slaughtered. And we said sell. And we have never looked back. Robert in New Jersey. Robert. Good evening, Jim. How are you today? I'm good. How about you, Robert? Great. The stock I want to discuss with you is Canopy Growth. With yeah. Canopy and the rest of the cannabis sector selling off since February, would you be a buyer? With I, I, at this point, at nine bucks, I, I guess I would. I mean, my problem here is that this did not have a good quarter. It's not doing that well. My solution is is that it's got a big stake uh, Constellation Brand Zones. It's run by a very good guy, David Klein. But I've got to tell you, I don't like the cannabis business. I just don't. I think it was an overhyped business, not unlike what we're seeing right now in the gambling business, which is just brutal. Let's go to the House of Pain. Gus in Virginia. Gus. Hey, Jimbo. Um, I want to ask you about uh, Palantir Technology. Cold stock, cold stock, cold stock. The cold stocks aren't working, okay? I think it's got, I mean, I read the business. Like, you can't even understand what they do because most of it's black box. I, I, you know, we, we fooled around and we traded, but no, it's a cold stock right now. It's not working. Junior in New York. Junior. We are Jimmy Chill. Yeah, First what's caller, up? Long-time viewer. Thanks for all that you do, Jim. We really appreciate your keen insight on the market. Thank you. I'm calling about ticket symbol WISH, Context Logic. But what are your thoughts? We actually think this company's a decent company. And they're throwing it away. I mean, look, you buy a three, can it go to zero? I guess so, but it's it's a good spec. And then, ladies and gentlemen, conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, Charlie Munger had family-sized praise for this stock. Should you be buying it in bulk? Kramer's got everything you need to know next. Monday, kick off the trading day with Squawk on the Street. Live from Post 9 at the NYSE. No one is like that guy. He will not lose. He comes on and he is TNP. He's total TNP. TNP? He takes no prisoners. Ah. TNP. Ask him. He's TNP. It all starts at 9 a.m. Eastern. It's about time somebody big in finance finally gave Costco its due. Recognize it as a shopper's bonanza that's run right and flies straight. 
What makes it even better is that this praise came from none other than Charlie Munger, the brilliant partner of Warren Buffett at Berkshire Hathaway. In a wide-ranging talk recently given, the 97-year-old Munger had a lot to say about the current stock market, calling it crazier than the dot-com boom. He disparaged the valuations of many stocks. Hey, listen, well, you saw what happened today. There were some or too high. And he lashed out against cryptocurrency, saying, and I quote, it should never have been invented. But I want to talk about his incredibly positive view of Costco, a key holding of my charitable trust which is the companion vehicle to the CNBC Investing Club that I tell you so much about. Munger loves going to Costco because its membership-based business model holds uh, down costs. As he puts it, people trust it, and they have enormous purchasing power to reduce prices. In fact, he regards the very idea of trying to compete with them as, and I quote, a sentence from hell. He also thinks Costco's digital business could eventually become a huge Internet player, maybe rival Amazon. I couldn't agree more. Now, I key on these comments because I want to teach you about the dangers of short-term thinking. You see, earlier this week, Costco reported its November sales numbers, and they came in at 14%. Wall Street was looking for 15%. Some analysts noted this represented a deceleration from the strong figures that they'd come to expect. Now, when I saw the numbers, I have to admit my immediate reaction was like, holy cow, Chapel Trust better sell some of this darn thing, take some profits while we still had them. But then I thought about it some more, and I realized that Costco could easily raise the $100, $120 price of an executive membership by maybe as much as 100 bucks, and very few customers would balk. That's the kind of bargain it is. And that's because, as Munger points out, that membership fee is a huge bargain. Remember, this man, is, has, he's a billionaire, okay, and he's focused on these six. So we decided to hang on to Costco for the travel trust. There are periods where even great retailers miss the numbers ever so slightly, and I figured this was just Costco's turn. The toughest thing about owning this stock long term is simply having the fortitude to stick with it. I am sure I will want to kick myself when the company reports next Thursday. It'll be a little bit of a drip. There'll be someone's going to be disappointed. But again, same deal. A sell-off in the stock of a great company is an opportunity, not a reason to turn tail. People always seem to misjudge it. They say, wait a second, something must be wrong. No, you should be thinking, hmm, something's right there. As I see it, Costco has the number one most important quality in a great stock. This is a company with the ability to raise price at will. They could snap their fingers and become more profitable overnight. That makes Costco a member of a very small club. We know Chipotle could take its prices up, and I bet most people wouldn't even notice. Their loyalty factor is gigantic. Apple gets away with some people think it's highway robbery every time they sell a smartphone because the major wireless carriers cover the bulk of the cost. Same thing. But the main ones, the ones I really like are Netflix, Amazon Prime, to the point where we own Amazon for the Travel Trust. Netflix and Amazon Prime are my favorites because I'm confident they could raise prices substantially and very few people would balk. I think Costco is no different. Honestly, it feels a little quaint to judge companies based on something like pricing power, especially after the string of overhyped IPO debacles where a business comes public armed with a little more than a semi-popular brand. Think Lemonade or my favorite Dutch Bros. Uh, the stock's done actually well, but it's a brand. Allbirds, The Honest Company, Clear Secure, those not doing so well. Call me old-fashioned, but I'll take pricing power over hype power any day of the week. So do like we do for our investing club and ask yourself, do you own the stocks of companies that can raise prices with impunity but choose not to because they want to keep the growing customer base happy because they care about the customer? Why would you buy the stock of some aimless retailer when you can go with arguably maybe the greatest of all time? Go with Costco. 
Let me put it this way. In a world where we're already beaten down, growth stocks sell like a DocuSign can lose 42% of its value in one day in the wake of a big earnings miss, and no one seems to be interested in buying it even down there. It's the life of those something like Costco, which can miss numbers slightly and barely get dinged. Or as Charlie Munger says, we are lucky to have Costco. I'd like to say there's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise you I'd find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you Monday. The news with Shepard Smith starts now. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.